0: This one's for all you real estate investors out there who've had a seller back out of a deal and you don't want that to happen again. This is the podcast for TEDxing your income and replacing your W-2 job through the business model of wholesaling real estate. My name's David. I've been a real estate investor for seven years. I created a process that's helped people close their first deal 10,000 times in all 50 states called Deal Machine. And most of the people who start real estate investing, 70% of the people who use Deal Machine to find great deals, they're working on wholesaling. That's what this whole podcast is about. The most value from any wholesale deal that we've covered on this podcast is $105,000 from Dedrick and Crystal Polite's very first deal in episode 11. Average deals, I would say, are typically twenty dollars to $30,000. And the way people are finding these deals, you know, there's a lot on the line here if the seller backs out of a real estate deal. The way wholesaling works is you find a distressed seller and they would prefer to get rid of their house for a lower price for one reason or another. It's very similar model to a pawn shop where you bring in your junk and people know they're gonna resell it for more and make a profit in between. That's what a wholesaler is doing, but just with real estate. So it takes money you're spending on marketing through direct mail or calling or buying data to know who to direct mail and who to call to see if they want to sell their house, then once you have it under contract, you go out and you find a buyer who's typically going to pay more for that house than you've got it under contract for, and you make the difference. And typically, the more money someone has, as I've grown my own wealth, I've realized the less time I have to find really incredible deals. And so that's why wholesaling real estate works. You as the beginner can work on your deal finding skills and getting that under contract, which takes time. And then the buyer is willing to pay more for that because they have more money than time. So for you, you've spent time marketing to find the motivated seller and spend time with them to discover the details of their situation and why they'd like to sell. And then once that contract is signed, they're committing to do this deal with you. Then you go out, do inspections on the house, work to find buyers, have those buyers do their inspections on the house. So contracts are necessary so that everyone knows the time spent is not going to go to waste. So if they've signed a contract and then they want to back out, that is costing you a lot of time and possibly money. And also your reputation with buyers could be tarnished because the deal you've actually sold them on is not going to close. So I was actually in my seventh year of real estate investing before I've ever had somebody fail to close on me. It's not something that's happening all the time. So you don't have to worry about that if you're going into this and this is your very first deal. Um, in fact, I'd, I'd even recommend just switching to episode 65 of the Deal Machine podcast right now, which is a challenge to get your first deal. Um, but if you have done some deals and you're curious about tools you can use to prevent somebody from not closing, keep on listening to this podcast. So it it now happened a second time in my seventh year of investing. um, And I told my friend, Philip Vegas, which we've had on the podcast as well, that, and he had a lot of questions for me. He's done a lot of deals. So I figured it would be helpful to make an episode about how I handled this for anyone else who's curious. So if you're like me, you're spending around $1,000 per month on marketing. You're also putting a lot of effort into communicating with the seller, understanding their problems, lighting up the lender, and then finding that buyer. So, in order to protect your reputation with the buyer, like I said before, you know, we need them to hold to their word um, about you know following through with what they committed to. Certainly, it's not fair for them to go with somebody else who they got a late higher offer from once you've already put in all this work and they've committed to you. So, you know, because of these uh, cases, I'm speaking of when the seller actually just maybe ghosted me. Uh, and didn't have anything else to say, um, or you know, if, if somebody just no longer wanted to close because they got a higher offer, like that's definitely not okay with me. So here's three tools um, that I use to make sure that doesn't happen. So first of all, I use a purchase agreement. I'll go over the details of that. I talk about a tool called the Notice of Interest, and also I selected an attorney to help me out with these scenarios. So first of all, if you have not done a deal you can actually get a contract um, at dealmachine.com slash contract, and you can get that purchase and sale agreement that I use for wholesaling real estate or getting that property on your contract myself gives me the option to do both. Um, And it's got 14 parts. The normal state contract that you'll probably use has 14 pages. (laughs) Mine is only three pages because when I'm dealing with somebody directly, not with an agent, I typically want to make this as simple as possible so there are no reservations or questions or big terms that they don't understand that would make them feel uncomfortable. And so the parts of my contract is you really could close a deal on a napkin. I don't recommend it. I'm not a lawyer, but you basically need a buyer, a seller, an address, a sale price, and a sale date. That's really what you need to get that deal done. And so the first part of my contract is the date, you're getting it under contract, the buyer, the seller, and the purchase price. And part two is also going into details about the purchase price and if there are any other terms, uh, such as uh, I, I never honestly use the terms category. So I don't even know uh, a good example from personal experience that I could share with you. The third part is prorations. So property taxes, I say, will be prorated and rents will be prorated. So if it was rented out and they owed tax. They're paying their portion until you take it over because the tax bill comes once a year. So you don't want to get stuck with their old tax bill if you're buying the property at the end of the year. You should only pay for the taxes that incurred while you owned it, which is a few days left of that year. So number four, uh, the seller warrants the property to be free from hazardous substances. This is in the contract, very clear, never actually you know, became an issue for me with any deal. Uh, Five, no judgments. So if they have a judgment against the property that they didn't tell you about, this would give you an out from buying it and inheriting that property with a judgment, which would be, you know, maybe someone else has uh, a claim to this property because they were in a lawsuit, for example. Number six, again, I'm not an attorney, but I'm just in layman's terms explaining some of the basics of this contract. So number six, uh, possession. So possession of the property, you know, with keys and garage door will be delivered when the title transfers, and so that's pretty self-explanatory. Inspections. This is important for you. Uh, the buyer will have the right, upon giving, uh, you know, 24 hours notice, to enter the property while it's under contract. So you can look yourself, or if you have a buyer, you could walk them through because of this clause, and the person under contract would have to let you do that. Uh, Continuity. This contract is contingent on the buyer having the right to inspect the property uh, directly or indirectly um, and assess its value and also engage in professional inspection. So a little bit more detail on that. If they don't let you do that, you can back out of the contract. Risk of loss. So the seller's responsible for any additional damage to the property. If the tenant in the property damages the property, you, know, you don't have to close on it in the damaged condition. This can get you out. Um, Acceptance. The instrument will become a binding contract when executed, and also uh, it gives you a date that the contract would be void. So if they don't sign it by a certain date, this contract is void. And as a real estate investor, if you're making four or five offers, it's good that you don't have a fifth one accepted when you're all out of money or you're all out of buyers. You you don't have enough uh, funds or resources to handle that deal or do the inspections necessary. So That's why there's like a timeline, it creates some urgency, which is also a good sales technique to help them make a decision faster. Uh, Pretty standard stuff. Hey guys, if you know you wanna quit your job in the next three months, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast because we've got some incredible frameworks with step-by-step instruction that you're not gonna wanna miss. Also, leave us a rating and review to let us know your favorite parts and why you wanna get financial freedom. Deposits, so typically, Earnest money could be, you know, if you're buying a hundred thousand dollar house, maybe it's a thousand dollars if you're buying it retail. If you're actually buying it, you know, from somebody directly who's in a tough situation, that house has run down or and you're gonna wholesale it or not. You know, people could put a hundred bucks down on on earnest money and it's fine. It's typically it's something I see a lot when people are wholesaling. Um, and so that's just up to you what you want to offer for the earnest money. Closing date, pretty easy. You set a closing date. The more time you give yourself, the more time you have to find a buyer if you're wholesaling. Uh, Of course, a lot of people in these tough situations really appreciate a fast closing date. So you'll have to find a balance there and definitely talk about when they want to close before you drop this contract. So other agreements. Buyer agrees to purchase the properties as is. The contract is subject to an appraisal and the buyer will pay all the closing costs. That's something I always offer when I'm buying an off-market property because it just makes it easier. They don't have to worry about paying extra fees. And the buyer may assign or otherwise transfer the buyer's rights to this contract. So there's another uh, contract called uh, the assignment contract. So if you get this under contract and you wanna wholesale it for a finder's fee, you'd use that assignment contract, which I believe, uh, let me check the URL here real quick uh, dealmachine.com slash assignment hyphen contract. Um, and sure enough, that's actually going to be, uh, the, the right URL to get you that assignment contract. And then, you know, times of the essence. So basically you've got to move quickly once you've signed this contract, uh, to get the inspections done and quit, you know, the, the, the seller can't delay a lot of stuff. Um, and then prohibition, it establishes, uh, from transferring or, uh, or selling the property while they have it under contract with you, they can't sell it to someone else. So that has just got signatures for the buyer and the seller. So first of all, the whole point of this contract is to prevent, is to agree so that you can do your work and that they continue to obey what they agreed to, uh, until the time for closing. There's some time in between there. And so if, if they're not closing, uh, then that's, against this contract so that's a problem because i've invested a lot of time um and and it's not fair and that's why contracts exist so you know the second tool is if somebody actually doesn't close which is like the closing date happens you sign your documents with a title company but they don't show up maybe they ghost you they don't sign their contract so they haven't closed and so nothing happens right the title company is not going to enforce them to close in fact, I had a title company tell me, "Oh, well, we can't force anyone to close." And I was like, "Uh, well, let me get another opinion on that." So the first thing I I wanted to do was there's a tool called the Notice of Interest. So what a title company does is if they are going to look up the title, they want to see if anyone else has an interest in this property. And so that's one of the things they're doing when they when they do a title search. That's that's what you're paying for when you actually, you know, pay a title company to do some research. So you could file a notice of interest to prevent the seller from selling this property to someone else in the meantime while you guys work this situation out. So a notice of interest uh, will be available at dealmachine.com slash NOI. And it's, it's, it's kind of a weird document. So I wanted to go over that real quick. Um, you as the buyer, prepare this yourself. It's a one-page document um, and it says, notice of interest to whom it may concern. Notice is hereby given that, Me, David, has an interest in a certain real estate property located in Marion County, Indiana, wherever your location is, by virtue of a purchase agreement dated January 3rd, 2024. So you put your date that y'all signed the purchase agreement. And you also put legal description. So you say it is more particularly described as you get that parcel number, which is in Deal Machine or your county website, otherwise known as, and then I put the regular address, and then legal description Again, it's on Deal Machine and the county website. You just put all that so it's very easy to identify what property you're talking about. And then you cite it. And then below, it says State of Texas because I'm in Texas. So the, the property's in Indiana. The top part's all about the property. And then the bottom part is where it is being notarized. So on the fifth day of February, uh, I actually went to the UPS store. Every UPS store has a notary And this was just so weird at first, but a notary is somebody who's certified to verify identification. So this person asked for my ID. They looked at my ID and they documented that I was in fact who I said I was and I stood before them and signed this document. And then I scanned this in. I sent it to the title company and I said, please close, please file this notice of interest for me. So that's a notice of interest. It seems so weird, right? But what it's really doing is clouding the title, uh, so they say, so that the seller can't sell this property while you have an interest in it. It prevents them from doing that while you guys work out your differences. So then I went and looked for an attorney to help you know, put some pressure on the buyer because they legally agreed to do something that they're not doing. So um, I, you know, I Googled and reached out to four real estate attorneys in Indianapolis. I, I chose somebody who was where my properties are, not where I live. Um, And I I really didn't get a response, which was kind of surprising. But I guess everybody's busy. I asked friends at my local wholesaling meetup for referrals. I got three referrals. And only one of them responded, but they weren't available until next month. I was like, I'm not waiting a month for this. I need to solve this quickly. Again, as the purchase agreement states, time is of the essence. So, like, The longer you let these things draw out, I feel like the less likely it is you're going to have a good outcome. So then um, I kept asking until I got someone who could meet with me the very next week. Um, and so that is who I ended up working with. And I think the first step that they did was uh, they sent a letter to the actual person and that let them know I have an attorney um, and we're serious about this. Um, and ultimately that's that's all it took uh, for us to open those lines of communication and have them take this seriously and, and have a good outcome. So, you know, if you're like me, you're spending around a thousand on marketing. You're putting a lot of effort into communicating with the seller Discussing their problems, lining up a lender or a buyer if you're wholesaling, and in order to protect your reputation with the buyer and protect the time and care and money that you put into finding this deal, you may have to. It's worth your while to enforce a contract. Um, you know, a, assuming that like, hey, the seller didn't like have a, a, a death with a close relative that just makes it really tough uh, to to actually you know close this deal. The the point of this is not to be a bully, but to also not allow them to renege on that deal that they committed to um, and and uphold their word to protect everyone's time and investment and reputation. So it's very unlikely that this will happen to you. As I said, I've been in real estate investing for seven years and it just happened to me, albeit twice in the last year, but um, this ended up, these are tools that I use to have a good outcome and a fair outcome. So I'm really excited to share this with you to alleviate any concerns. And again, if you guys are looking for your first deal, I would definitely start with episode 65, a seven day challenge to getting your first deal. Don't worry about all these things that could potentially happen. Only worry about them when they do happen and treat it as a learning experience rather than something that you get upset about. And I think that's my best advice to eliminate analysis paralysis, get that first deal under your belt, really see how possible this is and start building the life and business that supports your freedom and you achieving your dreams. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Deal Machine Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please leave us a review and follow along wherever you're listening to your podcast.